It is a terrifying phenomenon to remember being somewhere you've never been. The filmed public execution of Kennedy, the first open-source event, grafted to our collective memory, vivid as a traumatic childhood experience. Hundreds of tourists were already lined up outside the Sixth Floor Museum, formerly Oswald's villainous book depository lair, preserved as a memorial to Kennedy and the many mysteries of the assassination. But most are there for the perverse thrill of the main attraction, that is, stepping into Oswald's sniper vantage. I go straight to the window. An iPad below it plays a slowed-down animation of the bullets striking the motorcade. In the actual street below, there's a steady stream of traffic driving over the spot. I imagine rushing down to the street and stopping them, either for trampling the sacred site or for their own safety, as if the horrible event were bound to happen again and again. I skip the rest of the part about the aftermath of the assassination, the conspiracies, the Warren Commission, and walk upstairs to the seventh floor of the sixth floor museum. A reprieve from the paranoia, it's a gallery of artifacts of the building itself, the Hertz billboard on its roof, the original lettering on its facade, old tiles, even bricks. The building itself was an innocent bystander in all of this, so was Dallas, and so are all of us. There was a similar feeling at the Oswald Boarding House Museum, a 10-minute bus ride away. Guests enter an ordinary house to a 50s-furnished living room, musky, its bookshelf stocked with conspiracy classics, a vintage TV playing the movie JFK. I'm greeted by Pat Hall, a woman who's lived there her whole life. She met Oswald when she was 11. He was a quiet man, usually spending most of his time in his room alone. But when she did meet him, he was polite, cleaning the bathroom after every use, and kind, once breaking up a fight between her and her friend, telling them to never fight or hurt anyone, ever. She must have believed he meant it, because now she spends her life preaching Oswald's innocence as a patsy of the mafia and CIA, with LBJ the, quote, head of the snake. He never fired a shot, she said. He didn't even have a gun. As I left, a tour guide on the lawn described the house as a rundown slum, frequented by lowlives and loners like Oswald. He looked at me, grinned, and added, even to the present day. Despite its historical value, he continued, it will soon be demolished. His polo read, Fun Dallas Tours. I later looked at their site and discovered there was a lot more to see in Dallas than JFK stuff. It was actually three cities, maybe many more, each with many charms. But I didn't come here to stray too far from the hotel. Once back in my room, I drew my shades and began to go goblin. Goblin Mode describes a course of self-imposed social isolation in which day-to-day disciplines of temperance and hygiene are suspended. These personal carnivals can appear more like depression than depravity, and indeed, many who go goblin are depressed. But by affirming goblin as a mode helps fight the temptation of dwelling too long in that goblin grotto. The term came to prominence when a comment from Julia Fox on her recent breakup with Kanye circulated, quote, Kanye didn't like when I went goblin mode. While the quote was fabricated by memesters, it was easy to believe it could have been true. The manic Kanye, unable to allow his partner a moment's rest, 
In reality, it was Kanye who conjures his greatest artistic revelations during prolonged periods of self-exile and isolation.